You're tuning in to Two Brownish Girls with your hosts Talitha and Cribs. Just a quick disclaimer and explicit content warning. All content in this podcast is 100% unfiltered and is from our own personal views and experiences and not on behalf of anyone else. We want to use this platform as an opportunity to speak on topics prevalent in our personal experiences, both as Australian-raised Melanesian and Polynesian women in Western Sydney. As two brownish girls, Krups and I would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the First Nations of this country, and the Darug people, the traditional custodians of the land in which we record and share our stories on. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and colonisation continues to this day. Now on to our show. Cribs here. Just want to give a massive, massive shout out and big love to our newest patrons and our first patrons for our Patreon account. Shout out to Atetha. Tejaline, Jose, Taylor, and Glenn. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon subscription. And for anyone else who is interested, keep listening. Thanks. It's your girls. Your girls. <laughs> Talitha and... Cribs is a bit sick. <laughs> and with a very dreary Sunday weather here mm. in Sydney. Mm. And so today we're talking about nursing home stigmas, which is a subject that is close to Crib's heart Mm. in relationship and is one that she brought up. Mm. So um, what gave you an insight to pick this? It's a very interesting subject. Yeah, Yeah. like it's it's definitely, like I said to Talitha, that there was going to be some topics that I was going to relate to more than she was. But, Mm. you know, there's topics that, um, you know, we both equally feel in some ways that we should still highlight and try to, you know, like bring awareness to it. And... Um, this one specifically came from um, experiences from my grandma who has passed back in 2002. She um, she was cared for at home by her like daughters, like my aunties, and then she passed away like like at home as well. Um, so I'm not saying that they like that I was against them caring for her at home, but I just wanted to like kind of understand and figure out like what were the decisions that made them want to keep her at home rather than going through like actual like a nursing home or aged care or Mm. seeking professionals um and I see a lot of people on Twitter like just saying like I'll never send my parents to a nursing home or um you know they're just very like anti like aged care or like nursing homes in general so Mm. I just felt like it was a really good topic to speak about. And then also my grandma on my other like on my mum's side, um, she was looked after by my cousin for um, like 20 or 25 years of his life, something like that. And then she passed away like probably not too long after she was in a nursing home. So, and then my sister works in aged care. So kind of seeing the side of it where people are very like, don't want to send them to nursing homes. And then the other side where my sister's very like encouraging of it it's just like what do we need to bridge the gap and And there's a lot of different experiences that your family has experienced and you yourself have been exposed to yeah 100 percent. like i i personally support aged care Mm. um but it's more about the reasons that you send them there that or that like i feel like the very like westernized view can be like or you see in australia yeah you just put your parents in nursing homes 
and then you go live your life and then you never see them and stuff like that and I don't I don't support that view um but I feel Mm. like that like perspective can impact the way that Pacific Islander children would look at their own parent situations like Mm. if they're sick and they need access to professionals on a daily basis or if they're like their condition um needs a lot of attention and you don't actually have the time or capacity to to do it like it would be in everyone's best interest to you know like yeah to set like to put them into a facility that can help them Mm. um and increase the their quality of life but i feel like a lot of that goes like they just don't consider it and then they end up having to you know quit their job become a full-time carer and it can it can impact them on their mental health the financial situation financial like, like financially yeah. strained and i and i appreciate as well that sometimes the reason for not sending them putting them in in a health care facility is because you know lack of financial means as well but i think it's good to look at the options that are available rather than just uh, automatically take it on as something that it's your responsibility to you know like you got to drop everything and um yeah and look after them so that's kind of what kind of inspired me like there was a um there was like a topic on twitter they were like you know um write a tweet an unpopular opinion polynesian edition oh really and i I said (laughs) and i said and i said nursing homes are not like a negative thing like it's um they are like a um good opportunity to increase your whoever's quality of life for as long as they're alive Mm. um and just having more education um so like I was thinking that for this first half that we would just talk a bit about um you know our either other other, like sorry either our actual experiences with that or not and then in the second half um I'll actually just be interviewing um my cousin who looked after my grandma and my sister as well who um has worked in the aged care industry like whatever Mm -hmm. sector for about 12 years now um so with me personally like I said um like on my mum's side my my grandpa's still alive he's still working at the warehouse (laughs) in Auckland (laughs) In like the plant, in like the, the outdoor he? section. He's like in his seventies. Oh my gosh, yeah. I remember he's so young. He's got like the smoothest <laughs> skin in the world, hey. Um, but like yeah, everyone that goes to like, um, Manukau, like warehouse in Manukau, they'll like know who I'm talking about. That's, <laughs> that, that's my grandpa. Um, so he's still alive and kicking. And then my grandma on my mum's side passed away like two, three years ago. Um, just. Yeah, I think it was just a combination of just her health deteriorating. Um, and so my cousin looked after her for majority of, like, you know, the remainder of her years in Auckland. Then mm-hmm. they moved to Melbourne. He looked after her there. And then in the last year or so of her life, he moved her into an aged care facility. Um, and then, yeah, she passed away. Um, on my dad's side, my... Dad passed, uh, my granddad passed away before I was born, yeah, I think a few years maybe. And then my grandma, yeah, she passed away in 2002. And she, yeah, she had health complications as well. Um, and yeah, she passed away in, like at her house. 
And so, like, seeing that, you know, seeing those two experiences and then um, seeing my sister work in it, like, for the last 12 years, I've seen a lot of the benefits of, you know, um, being in, like, seeing her work there. Um, and she was saying to me that her, her, like, her company that she works with, their motto is literally just to increase the quality of life. Mm. And I thought that was a really good thing because, I mean, that's what you want to do, you know, when they're, when you're growing old. Growing old and dying is inevitable, but it's how they spend the rest of their years, you know. Um, so <clears throat> um, seeing that as well, like, it's just I've, I'm really open to it. Um, obviously, financially is a different thing, but just being open to it in general um, and having more information would you know, hopefully encourage more Pacific Islanders to see it as a viable option for their parents to give them the best care that they need for as long as they're around. Um, but yeah, what um, uh, what was your situation with your grandparents? or? Um, my grandparents, my maternal grandparents both died before I was born. So mm. they died before 1989. Um, I grew up with my paternal grandparents. My grandpa, well, my grandmother... My paternal grandmother um, died when I was two. Oh, wow. So, 91. So, technically, just like I grew up with my grandpa, who I was really close with. Mm. He died 2004, but that was of old age. But they still lived, um, they lived in their own house in like Harris Park. <laughs> like, we just lived next door, like true mm. ethnic, the area styles. Mm. Um, we lived next door to them. But yeah, my grandpa and my grandma were like, We'd never, I couldn't like, I couldn't picture putting them in a home because I, they were very active still. Like my grandma would walk to Parramatta Westfields from Harris Park, you know, seventies, like, you know, mm. getting groceries and all that stuff, like talking to everyone on the street, whatnot. Mm. So, so it was just old age. Yeah. It was basically old age. Like That's my grandma right. had cancer for a while. She was a nurse at Parramatta hospital. Yeah. So she had cancer for like, I think actually five years until it, um killed her mm. um she had it for a while i think even maybe longer than five years from what i heard i didn't know that i thought she just had um because she had bone marrow cancer mm. so i think that was just the older age thing that she was getting her treatments and everything like chemotherapy but i don't think um i think her age impacted that yeah as well yeah so she still died like pretty like because my grandparents were pretty old they're mm. born in the 20s um because oh, so yeah crazy. Because my grandpa was born 1920 and my grandma was 1921. Fuck. So that's why when you said your granddad's 70, I was like, what? Yeah. Like, my uncle's like that age. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm no, like, damn. Pretty, I mean, maybe at least 80, but still he's pretty young for, yeah. for a grandpa. Yeah, because um, like my grandpa would have been 99 this year if he holy lived. Holy shit. And he was still doing like... um yoga and tai chi and everything until up to right that's probably what helped him live longer yeah because he'd only like he became sick i think just because of old age like that was on the death cert and everything mm. so like but i think there was one i do remember one point when they were considering taking him to a nursing home and i'm pretty sure he told everyone to like fuck off so, <laughs> like, i mean you're talking to like an ex-military like man here like you know so during world war Two and everything so he's just like yeah nah <laughs> and I'm um, like, he used to still garden. He was like really active, even like, even until like, until he got sick with old age, he would still, he wouldn't expect his grandkids or like, you know, his 
daughter or sons to make him tea. He still did his tea, still to his dinner, like everything. Yeah. Like he always believed that um just, you know, if if anyone's able they can serve themselves basically. Yeah. So um yeah. but I think that's why I've never really had an experience because it's been like 15 years since he died like mm, um mm. in march it was like 15 years and yeah like i've never i know there is like a plus to it because mum worked in um like retirement homes for a while yeah in catering but then she became like in corporate like an accommodations manager so she'd organize like mm. nursing homes and everything and i know there is benefits for people taking care mm. um there is like if you have the money though like the that's the, the downside nurse, too, yeah. is lack of funds or lack of financial assistance. To yeah, because be it's, it's to. not like the government does nothing. Like, they don't, you know, they can't, they're not going to pay for your nursing home. Like, I think mum's one, like, where she worked, and it's like a pretty big chain. Mm. <laughs> I want to mention the name for, mm. <laughs> I don't want bad publicity or anything. But I'm pretty sure, like, even a few years ago when mum was alive, she would say, like, the deposit was at least, like, thirty to 50000 mm. to put um, <clears throat> your relative in a home. And that's just, to me, that's just, like, whoo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I don't know how many people, like, maybe a lot of people have $30,000, thirty dollars to $50,000, like, going around. But I feel like, I think that might be the, the main reason that um, Pacific Islanders, we don't think of it. It's because, I think it's the money part, but also I think we have this really strong urge and desire as our family unit to keep our family unit as one yeah because you know we come from like my like lineage it's like Mm. every both sides of parents grew up with their grandparents at the house grew up with their great-grandparents at the house yeah so everyone was living yeah in the same house and Mm. like it's kind of to me as like someone who's lost both my parents i feel it's kind of sucky because i grew up in that cool like you know growing up with my grandpa who was like awesome and everything and then i can't do that because Mm. now when i have kids i don't have my grandparents and i don't have my parents but i think Mm. that's why the family unit i think it's a big thing that um that we probably look at at that perspective i mean yeah i think we're just naturally caregivers with a lot of things that we Mm. naturally want to take care of everyone especially in our family unit and i think that's probably it's a good nature it's a good nature like yeah i don't i'm not um knocking any of that i would Mm. love to be able to um you know live with my parents grandparents and you know yeah. however many generations in the same you house. won't have to cook like yeah. grandma's cooking. i <laughs> still remember no. my gotta clean cooking. though still remember my nana's cooking and that was when i was like two years old she cooked like <laughs> the best and only spoke to us in fijian which was hectic <laughs> <laughs> like i love it i think it's great and i would love to embrace it no. i think like my my thought is that mm. it's like when it gets to a point when you don't actually have um, the resources, the yeah. resources or the knowledge, yeah, to be able to properly and fully care for that person, it's really when it's the time to speak up and get access to, like, like um, professional advice. Yeah, and it's not even like, you know, that I'm saying when you can't handle it, go to a nursing home. But I'm like, there's other there's other options out there. Like, um, again, you know, it's not. There's community it's not cheap, stuff, but there's, Yeah, there's, like, in-care, like, yeah. I mean, in-home care, when mm. someone will come a few days a week and at least help you out. And that can be government-subsidised, I think. Mm, but so sometimes it's only when you're a citizen. Yeah. Oh, okay. And a lot of Pacific Islanders here that have migrated are not... Not even permanent residency, because it's so hard now, after 2007. Really? Yeah. 
That's why, like, you and I don't understand. Because well, I was born here. I'm you like, were born here. I'm like, yeah. residency. Because even, yeah, some of my friends who are not Pacific Islander are not permanent residents. Yeah, so, like, like it was, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was before 2007. If you had, if you had entered in the country before then. Yeah. Um, and been here for a certain period of time, then you, you would be granted um, permanent residency under the previous visa that they had which is called the trans-tasman agreement that's crazy which means that anyone from australia could go to new zealand become a citizen i mean resident yeah and then same vice versa and that occurred for like 20 years or something Far so out. then we came here in 94 it was obviously still there so we easily migrated here and we became permanent residents quite quite quickly but i didn't now, know it was that intense yeah right? but now it's like you gotta wait like three four years like it's really fucked so in that time you don't actually have the financial support of the government to be able which to... could be a big reason why no yeah. one they they just think i'm just gonna take care of it myself because i know i feel like sometimes i have that personality trait or mentality that mm. i know what it is that if someone can't do something to my standard i would just take care of it mm. which is like yeah really easier to. it's easier to but really mentally it can stuff you up in the long run because you know you're giving support to everyone mm. but you're not taking care of your mental well-being or anything along those lines yeah 100 percent. yeah so that's like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's actually... That would explain a lot. Then maybe that's why people aren't going... They don't have that opportunity. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. Like, mm. yeah, there's... there's uh, I agree with the lack of access to um, government subsidies. Um, but what I'm also saying is that, like, Google is free. Um, and it's important to continue to try and, like, educate yourself. If you are looking after someone at home into how you can increase like your knowledge to be able to support them because like what i'm saying is like you know if someone had like um you know just like even like a an older person like a elderly person with like a knee injury or like when they that's when me i've got a knee injury <laughs> my like, knee injury from black pink last night <laughs> <laughs> but just say like, even like um if they're you know not able to walk it's like how do you support them like it's just I feel like there just needs to be more access to more um information out there to support those people that are looking after someone especially the councils like i notice um because i live in granville so we're under cumberland council yeah but each month they actually mail you um actually what's going on like what community stuff is happening Mm. during that month and you can also find it online but it's not just fun stuff like you know like ramadan markets or anything like that um there's also a lot of community like this free yeah workshops like no Parramatta library like you can search the government um websites they have a lot of workshops on random things and for free like Mm. absolutely for free because it's like part of the council's like initiative Mm. i think to just build this like community course so that's a good great idea like Mm. to to think of because there's some things and you look and you're like what like who would need that but now you know like you never know you never know Yeah. yeah so um i guess that was my my point in wanting to kind of bring up this this topic um and just because of that mentality that i feel a lot of pacific islanders in our generation share about like you know sometimes people can feel ashamed of wanting to or needing to send their put their parent in uh, a nursing home Mm. and i feel like they're ashamed because it can feel it can look like they're abandoning their you know, their mum yeah. or dad, when really it's just, no, you're just giving them access to the care that they need, the level of care that you may not be able to provide yeah. them um, directly. Um, and so I just want to ho- hope that we can change the narrative and change the, like, 
um, the stigma around it and just say to people that, I mean, like, if you were going to, like, just put them in a nursing home and then, like, forget about them and never see them. That's fucked. You know, then, then, yeah, I'm, like, That's, again. I'm against that No, I wouldn't support it. But I'm just saying, like, you know, if you if you're giving them the care that they need and you're able to see them as much as you would normally would, then like, I don't see an issue with that. I think also people as well, like, it's like, you know, Pacific Islanders, like, you're meant to take care of your own. Yeah. Someone else taking care of Because I like, know, like, a lot of friends who are, like, not Pacific Islander and have openly told me, oh, yeah, like, my grandpa or my grandma is in, like, a nursing home, I don't visit them. And then me, who was, like insanely close to my grandpa like if you saw my room the only major picture is like mm. a frame photo of my grandpa from like when he was in his 20s because he's like my favorite and then all pictures of him and then all like other family members but like mainly him that my mm. family tells me about mm. but i would like if i could have any time back like with my grandpa i would so like yeah. hearing people say they don't spend time with their grandparents like okay maybe everyone has their own personal situation where your grandparents were shitty with you or something mm. but just hearing it like oh my god it breaks my heart because I'm like, I would give anything to, like, talk to my grandpa again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Please was... stop ignoring your grandparents in nursing homes. Yeah. <laughs> they need support, too. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Like, my sister, I mean, she'll talk more about it in the sec- in the next segment. But mm-hmm. she says that it, um, it's really upsetting when, like... Well, she said for her, because she, she works in a... Dem- like in dementia. The dementia. Yeah. Oh. So she said that it sometimes actually can be bad when they come because it can trigger them. Hey? Yeah. Um, so she's saying it's just like, it's good to let them know in advance to see if they're actually having a good day to, you know, to then come. Um, but I forgot what I was going to say. Fuck. I was talking about, but please don't brag about not seeing your grandpa. <laughs> yeah. That's not something to be proud about. Yeah. That's stressing um, me out. Yeah. Only because I like, like, I have a lot of friends who have their grandparents still, and I'm, like, so bitter here, like, being an orphan with no grandparents. Mm. I'm like, damn, I wish I had my grandparents. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's again, it's just wanting to uh, change the narrative and not be ashamed to, um, to consider it mm. um, and to, you know, look at what resources um, are out there. Um, but the other thing as well is like, like I said, I was seeing on Twitter that a lot of people were like, you know, saying that they would never do it. They'd never, not even, you know, think about it. Um, but I think they're, you know, and, and also being ashamed of it. I think we should, it, it's important to try and like distinguish the line of, you know, the reasons that you're wanting to, um, you know, place them in that care. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know, it's just a topic that, like, I have very strong feelings about, and um, I just want to know that there's, like, there's support out there for those people, and it's not just a, this is the only option. Yeah, because, like, I know no one that has, I know, like, no one else in our family has older relatives in nursing homes. Mm. Like, it's just not a thing. Like, I've never, I remember growing up, and I know, like, all my... My old relatives lived in their own places and everything. Like, yeah. It's just such well, a yeah. Idea. Actually, I remember what I was going to say. My sister-in-law was talking to her about this topic um, mm. earlier this week, and she was saying that she's literally going through this exact scenario at the moment, where her um her grandma also her grandpa died about two years ago, mm-hmm. and her grandma is like I guess yeah her health like deteriorating. Yeah. And her grandpa used to take care of her grandma. 
Oof. Yeah, and so, like, now her grandma is, like, she was very dependent on other people. Yeah. And so now, like, she wants my sister-in-law's mum yeah. to drop everything and move to the islands and look after her. And people can't do that. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, And so, like, it's even that. as like, it's the... And you feel guilt for not doing it, but you can't. Yeah. Like, you have to think of yourself ultimately. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, we can sometimes um, compromise that. And so it's just like, how do we find that line between, you know, because obviously the grandma, like, this is what the grandma wants. Yeah. And it's like, this is their, their thinking of it. And it's like, that's how, some, in some ways, they've conditioned the generations below them to think like that. I feel like it's also like an added responsibility for like Pacific Islander women that irregardless <sighs> of us being yeah. the youngest or oldest, I'm the youngest, for example. Yeah. Um, so is Cribs. But there has been a lot of situations where even like youngest or oldest as long as you're a girl it's like there's a really um it's a it's like a maternal thing yeah there's a maternal thing like you have to take care of everyone like Mm. i even remember after like my mom died um my doctor straight up said to me in a good way though this is a positive commentary for once like (laughs) (laughs) my doctor's usually yelling at me but um she said like oh like you know you have to be there for your brother and your dad but you remember you're not the second mother Mm. you have to take care of yourself and because it was funny because like a lot of people that their first reactions after mom died was like oh like at least more's got you like my brother (laughs) and i'm like i'm not a mother i can barely take care of myself most of the Mm. time um i do have the organization skills like definitely with all that stuff that i am very like organizing but mentally it does affect you and i think draining uh, yeah like i've even discussed this with my neighbor who's also like a poc woman and we said and she said like you know we have as POC women, we want to take care of everyone and want to do everything and want to have that nurturing thing. And I think now, like, it's the time that we just need to chill out. Like, mm. we just need to take care of ourselves because we have so much nurturing that we're giving away, but no one's returning it. Mm. And, and Which is another that. podcast for another day. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but that's episode. a very, I think... But, like, that's even... Man. That's yeah. talking about that. That's the obligation that, like, this woman has been asked of. To Does she have brothers? I'm not 100% sure. I'm just going to say yes, because I feel like no Tongan family would not have, <laughs> like, more than one child. But you usually find it. You usually find, oh, does she have brothers? Yes, she does. But then I'm asking like, is... the brothers, the people won't ask the brothers, because the mm. brothers have other things to worry about. What are the brothers worrying about? Mm. Like, why can't we all be held accountable on, why is it a gender role still? Yeah. You know, like, that's the bullshit. I that... agree. I agree with that. Um, and so, yeah, I was really, like, I was really interested to see that, like, it's, obviously still a prevalent thing at the moment that people are like trying to find that line of well because at the moment um like seven days a week well out of the whole day she spends 12 hours alone because someone can't like she's not someone not there to look after is she in tonga yeah so like there's two houses apparently in one house there's like a woman that lives here or like family that lives here yeah but like she goes to work and then she's in, she, she and because she wants to live alone as well she lives in a house across the road yeah. by herself all day and so to my sister-in-law if you're hearing this sorry i feel like I've, i may have got some details wrong but I'm, I'm pretty sure people are getting the gist but yeah so um that's sad though yeah and i was just like, it's like i was like what are you gonna do and she's like i don't know it's sad for everyone involved yeah like you know because it's sad for the lady 
like mm. an old lady who's mm. there by herself who is dependent on her husband. Yeah. Now it's like you know. And then it's like, and then you know, it just passes on down to the to the kids, and I'm just like, what do you do? And so yeah, they're just going. That's their thing that they're going through at the moment. So, um, I actually would love to come back and find out what happened after, like what happens yeah. later. So we can give an update later. Yeah. An update later in the show. Yeah. I mean, later in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll be good, like, um, the second segment where Krups will be um, interviewing her cousin mm. and sister will be a great insight because that's two different um, situations that they found themselves in. Yeah. In regards to the treatment of our elderly and how we take care of them. And, you yes. know, it's obviously not just a girl's problem, but I feel like it is a very highly Pacific women problem that we're always... Related like, problems, straight up. We're like the mothers and all that... But even that, you know how we're yeah. just talking about gender roles? My yeah. cousin, he's a male. Yeah. He's a guy. Yeah. Looked after my... my See, that's different. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just like, gender roles mean nothing. Yeah. Okay? Anyone can do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, if your just, cousin can do it. Like, yeah. It's just you standing up and just taking accountability for it. Yeah. Um, Especially in this day and age. Like, I think we're getting... I feel like we were trying to break down those, those roles, yeah. Slowly breaking down. <laughs> it's like we wish we had a sledgehammer against the wall, but we have like a little <laughs> butter knife or something. <laughs> or even a normal Bunnings hammer because that's not going to knock down. <laughs> that's not going to knock down a brick wall. <laughs> Yo, it's Cribs here. In case you didn't know, we're on Patreon now, a new membership platform we've launched to allow our listeners to get exclusive access to some great perks like bonus episodes and access to a private 2BG group chat. Keep listening to find out more. You're listening to Two Brownish Girls and this is segment two of our Nursing Home Stigma episode. So I'm actually here in Melbourne at the moment. Um... We actually recorded the first half of this episode um, some time ago, so just finally got the chance to be in Melbourne and with my cousin Tom, um, who's here with me today, and we're just going to be doing um, a bit of a segment um, about his experiences with nursing homes and specifically uh, with my grandma. So thank you, Tom, for coming on to the show. No worries, no worries. Um, So I do have a few questions here I just want to ask you. Um, so like I said, the, the perspective is just coming from um, him looking after my grandma mm-hmm. um, while she was, well, both in New Zealand and, and when he was here in Melbourne. So um, just before that, would you be able to just tell us a bit about yourself? And um, I mean, you can go into as much or as little as you like, but just, you know, where you live and um, how long you've been living here for and um, <coughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. So, well, basically, obviously, I originated from New Zealand. I've been living with my grandparents my whole life. Um, When I was about 18, my grandparents split up. And so um, from then until now, I'm now 37. Um, I've been my grandma's carer since then. Um, We, most of it was um, obviously in New Zealand. And then when I was about 27, I decided to move to Melbourne. Um, One of the options was to put my grandmother into a home in Auckland um, or to bring it so obviously in our culture it's slightly yeah. frowned upon well not mm. slightly mm. very much so frowned upon to put your grandparents or parent into a nursing home so that wasn't an option for me and it never was um, so that, that was it I um, packed her up with me we moved to Melbourne in 2010 
um, and we, um, yeah, so basically I worked full-time, uh, we didn't get any, um, any benefits from the government, which is, um, one thing that a lot of people don't realise when they come here or they bring their parents here. Yeah. Um, so there was just my single income. She does get, um, or she did get a, a pension, yeah. um, but I mean, like, it's very minimal, so... There was me working full-time, plus having to care for her, um, which was fine. It worked for many years, you know, mm. we, we, it, worked, it worked out. Yeah. Um, and then near the end of um, her life, so I'd probably yeah. say like the last year or two, yeah. she started to deteriorate, you know, like um, my job got a little bit harder, they were getting a bit more stricter on me, because I was taking quite a bit of time off for her. And um, the costs were probably going up as well. Yeah, costs was going up, medications were going up, you know, it was getting a bit stressful. Yeah. Um, but still, at this point, it wasn't an option for me to put her in a home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but come, you know, fast forward to the end, pretty much, what, two and a half years ago? Yeah. About two and a half years ago, when um, she, I was in the middle of a, well, if, for those of you who don't know, well, you probably don't know, <laughs> um, I'm a makeup artist, I'm a full-time makeup artist, um, by this time, near the end of her life, I was freelancing from home full-time. Yep. So that was my full-time job. And um, one day, I was in the middle of a makeup application, and I heard odd noises coming from the living room. Mm. Uh, my makeup room was quite far away from the living room at the time, so I you know, stopped my application and said, look, do you mind if I go check on my grandma? Something doesn't feel right. So I went and checked on her, and sure enough, she'd blacked out mm. in her chair. So, luckily, this was one of my last clients. Well, I had, like, a bit of a break. Um, and so, I, I was pretty much finished. So, I called an ambulance. Ambulance came, took my grandma away. Um, she'd come right by the end. And, um, you know, all was good. She needed blood transfusion, basically. So, they yeah. gave her a blood transfusion. And um, they weren't happy for her to go home after that. So they put her into rehab. So basically what happens with rehab is you get given 12 weeks to prove yourself to become better, at, you know, good enough to go home. Yeah. So if you're not good enough to go home by the end of the 12 weeks, your only other option is to go into a home. So she was placed into care for 12 weeks and um, nothing changed. She didn't get any better. Her, um, you know, like mobility went worse. She was no longer able to stand up and... Um, go to the bathroom herself, which she always was able to, mm. um, which I've neglected to mention. My grandmother was disabled. She had a stroke many years ago um, and was pretty self-sufficient. Her whole right side was gone, um, but had managed to um, become, into, be become independent, yeah. uh, really work around disability. She never did physio. It wasn't really in our cards to do that, especially with you know being Pacific Islander or Maori. You know, that's wasn't that's we didn't do that. No. So we didn't get the option to put her through um, mm. physio, she didn't want it. But she coped and for many, many years, like over I'd probably say like thirty years. Yeah. Forty years she was I only right. never ever knew her as As disabled. As disabled, yeah. yeah. And she did everything herself. She walked to the car, she walked to the bathroom, she showered herself, she mm. made her own meals, she made meals for everyone. Yeah, she she did crossword she puzzles. Did crossword puzzles. She would send me because uh, her because she was right handed, she would still um, make the effort to send me a Christmas card. And it was like you know the writing wasn't great because it was with her left hand. Yeah. I remember, yep. yeah. But she she did it. So um, yeah. So she made the most of what she had. <coughs> exactly. So um, you know, fast forward back to the story. Um, got to the end of the twelve weeks, and you know, we had to have the conversation that she had to go into a home, and um, 
you know, that was it. Like, I had to choose a home. Um, I had to, you know, we had to go through the process of it. It was quite easy, to be honest with you. Yeah. And for those thinking about it or, you know, struggling to figure it out, like, um, it is actually a really easy process. Very, very, very quick. Um, It could be organised through a counsellor through the hospital. Um, That's how we had kind of got into contact. Um, You're able to choose your own. Um, But, yeah, so she's placed into a home. She didn't last very long. Mm. Um, But she lasted about three months. Well, the first nursing home, she was there for for two weeks. Yeah. And I pulled her out immediately. Why was that? Um, The nursing home, I didn't like the level of care. Um, Or lack of. (laughs) Yeah, or lack of, pretty much. The level of care or lack of care... Uh, was shocking. Um, one of the, well, not one of the worst. I just, you know, like it was just wasn't. It was appalling. I, I didn't like the way she was treated. Um, you know, like quite often she was told to just, you know, soil herself because yeah. it's an inconvenience for her, them to constantly take her to the bathroom. Um, you know, like she was placed in a dementia ward where she had she was fully of sound in mind. Yeah, that's not for her. Yeah, but that was the only place that they could put her, that they could give her the level of care that she needed. Oh, God. But unfortunately, she was surrounded by, sad to say, vegetables, you know? Yeah. And, like, what I notice with people who get, you know, like, they get put into care, then I notice with her, is if you put somebody that's of sound in mind amongst a, a, a group of people that aren't of sound in mind... They too become, they become a, yeah. what they're surrounded by. Of course. And she declined rapidly. Really? Like in two weeks, she went from, like, she enjoyed being in, in, um, in, no, no, in, um, recovery. Mm. You know, she was fine. The minute she got put into a home, it's like her brain switched off. And she just went really, like, odd. So, yeah. I pulled her out after two weeks, found her another home, which I was, lo- I loved. Yep. Um, they were great. They were so good. Um, they gave me from you know free reign. I could come whenever I wanted. Uh, they they would let me stay if I wanted to. Um, yeah, they were great. So in her last maybe two months, she yeah. lasted in this home. Um, it was a good experience. Oh, that's um, good. I had good contact with everyone, and they were really good with me. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And like going back to how you uh, were caring for Nan. Like, how did you? I never knew this, the answer. But like, how did you fall into that? Like. Obviously, there's a bunch of grandkids, like, you know, but... All how did, children. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. Um, like, how did you become the one to care for her? Um, well, because... Because obviously we had other, like, aunties as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, basically, what happened is, uh, starting from a young age, obviously, when I was born, I was the first grandchild. Um, in our culture, we call it whangai, mm. in Māori culture. If you're the first... If you're the first grandchild, and your parent is quite young... Most of the time, you get given to your grandparents to care for you, mm. whilst your parent grows Good. up a bit, yeah. so that you can then get given back, um, and you know your parent is able to cope, yeah. so on and so on. But the other beauty of this kind of exchange yeah. is that you're you're blessed with the teachings of your grandparents yeah so they teach you the ways of how things are supposed to be done yeah and then you're given to your parent fully sufficient yeah so then you pass it on to your siblings yeah 
and that's that's, uh, that's exactly like, yeah that's actually really special like yeah um you got you got to be taught exactly the way that you're exactly grandparents you're, yeah which were brought up yeah and that's something that's not really nah, no way. done anymore um grandparents don't get to pass their legacy on anymore yeah especially in that way like yeah my dad the way he brought me up was his own way it was yep. not the way that my grandparents would have brought him up no no and so it's like, i think that's really special that you get to learn exactly the way that your mum was brought up yeah to then filter it directly down to your other siblings yeah um and those teachings so that's really cool so the way i got basically the way i got stu- uh i wouldn't say stuck but the way i got you know in involved yeah um is um everyone had left home obviously yeah um, all her great all the great all the kids had left home yeah so it was just me my grandma my granddad my granddad obviously had split up with my grandma yeah my auntie had moved to home at the time but she was still you know trying to find herself yeah, um, she was she, quite young she was quite young she was struggling to you know hold a job um she had you know she was fighting demons herself so yeah she wasn't in a good place so we both took her on at the time so i wouldn't yeah. say it was independently myself no um but then you know as we just, obviously as i moved my grandma moved with me and that's just how it came about like yeah. but there's um, just no other option was there ever a thought though for you to go back to your like your parents or mom or dad per se like yeah i was given back i was <laughs> given back at eight when i was eight years old yeah but i begged to be given back to my grandparents you're like nope like yeah, no <laughs> this ain't it and i'm just being real candid when i say yeah. i knew and i'm not stupid mm. but i knew that if i had stayed with my mom yeah. i could see her, her life yeah i could Ooh. see the life unfolding in front of my eyes yeah. that i didn't want to live yeah and 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 i could see where my mum's priorities were. Yeah. And it At that wasn't time. me. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, and it, and it may, may, may be different for her. Yeah. But and I felt like I was second. Yeah. You just have to go with it. Yeah. And if and in your eyes, you were like a priority. I was 100% yeah. <laughs> a priority for my grandparents. Yeah. And, and this is testament to, um, you know, what happened. Yeah. The, the minute I spoke... I, I voiced my opinion to my grandparents. Yeah. It was literally, they were leaving a few days later. Yeah. I was packed up and gone. Like, wow. they literally just took me. Obviously, <laughs> had a meeting with my my mum. Yeah. But my grandma was, is like my ride or die. Yeah. Like, my day one. My day one. You know, yeah. like, she would do anything for me. Yeah. I'd do anything for her. And it was always like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's mm. awesome. And so. You said that, you know, you, you looked after Nan for, um, you know, a, a large portion of your life, life yeah. and obviously the remainder of hers. Um, how did that impact you throughout your career and growing into adulthood? Like, what kind of impact did that have yeah. um, career-wise? Um, I wouldn't say it had a huge impact. Like, I was mm. still able to do what I wanted. Yep. Um, I, I did feel like it did hinder me a little bit. Because yeah. I did have struggle, I did struggle with um, uh, decision making or like morally. Just as a whole, as like, a whole, yeah, yeah not like considering her. Yeah, well, yeah, everything yeah. was always had to be thought around her. Yeah. Any decision that I made, any move that I made, yeah. any anything that I did had to be con- she had to be considered in the equation. Yeah. And as a young person, um, you know, you fight your demons. Yeah. Over. I shouldn't fucking have to do this. Yeah. Fuck this. I'm a fucking kid. Yeah. Well, you know, like, yeah. you, you go through that, but you also, if you're brought up right, yep. you do it. 
Yeah. And I did it. But I, I'm not going to say it was hard, easy. Yeah. It was, it was hard because yeah. I just felt like I constantly had to like Consider, put myself yeah. back a bit mm. to kind of, you know. But it was obviously 100% worth it. I would go back and do it a thousand times over. Of course. But that was a definite struggle. That was, yeah, that was the reality of it. It was it, reality of as it. As much as, you know, you would do it again, there was definitely struggles, major struggles to it. Yeah. Um... Uh, and uh, I was just going through through my notes talking about well you talked about I just had a question here about you know what it felt like having to make that decision of of um, Nan going into a nursing home mm-hmm. and you said that it was you know it was quite easy for you mm-hmm. um, but did, did you ever um, at one point think like fuck like I'm at that point now where I have to put her in a nursing home <coughs> Because um, obviously the bit with the rehab, like, you didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. It was all dependent on how she, um, if she improved or not. Yeah. But how did you feel about, at that point, going, like, you know, um, I have to do this. Like, it, and and knowing the stigma that it has mm. in our culture. Yeah. Yeah, what was your thought about that? Like, you, you had to make it. There was no choice about it. But yeah. did you ever kind of think back to, like that stigma and yeah like yeah so basically like my thought process on it was obviously it was really hard yeah it was hard on my heart because Mm. you know like she to me my grandma um was always like the other side of the other piece of my heart Mm. and i've always thought like you know she's always yeah she's the other side of me that makes me whole yep and um well, you having, considered her for so long like yeah, yeah like I honestly feel like she's my soulmate mm. and um for her to be gone yeah and placed in care of someone else yeah um that I felt almost like a survivor's guilt yeah because I feel like here I am at home enjoying the luxuries of home yeah and here you are in a bed just sitting there for like 20 hours of the day yeah when I am capable of caring for you physically Mm. Mm. but financially i can't yeah and so it was just hard to go home yeah alone and yeah and having to yeah Yeah. no of course like it's it's um it's a real thing that people don't um people go through but they don't realize why they're going through it like you know that there's a guilt there and it was just hard going leaving her daily yeah seeing her the way she is yeah was and then me going home to my house. Full house. Full house. Doing food, whatever you want. Do whatever I want. TV. Yeah. Just, it was yep. one of the hardest things I've probably ever had to do. Of course. Of course. Um, and, you know, like we said, it wasn't, unfortunately, it wasn't a choice that you had. Yeah. It was just you had to do it. And, you know, it was in her best interest um, to go through that. And, I mean, just as a, probably like my second last question is like, how did... How did Nan feel about it? Um, look, Nan had made peace with it. Yeah. You know, like, she knew it had to happen. Yep. Um, she knew it was hard. Yep. Um, she knew that it had to be done, and mm. she had made peace with it. And, um, you know, one thing she said to me before she passed was, you know, the minute I get put into a home, uh, it's probably, you know, I won't last long in a nursing home, I'll yep. tell you that, because I'm not going to be one of those ones that sit around and just wait to die. Mm. I, I'll, I'm going to go the minute I can. 
Mm. Um, so you know, she lasted two months, and she kept her word, and and I and I knew that as, as sad as it was for her to go, yeah. like she needed to go for her own peace. Yeah. Um, and she went in her own terms, on her own terms. Yeah. She kept her word. Yeah, and look, I'm <laughs> glad that she yeah she went when she was ready. Yeah, she was ready. Um, and yeah, and I mean, I guess just one quick follow-up question to that question was that she um when she said that it was you know as soon as she can go she'll go when she's in a nursing home did that did that feeling kind of like did you feel that feeling though when you were like i have to put you in a nursing home like that you were like this is kind of the beginning of the the end exactly right yep that definitely was one of the 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 feelings that i felt because I I knew that that was her thought process. Yeah. And I knew that there was no other option for her to not come home. Yeah. So I knew that the minute she was going in, I honestly knew we had about three to six months. Mm. So, yeah, definitely was hard to to um, come to terms with the fact that this was the end. Yep. Or the beginning of the end. Yeah. Um, But I also knew that this is what she wanted. Yep. Yeah, like she... You weren't she, doing it against her will. I wasn't or doing it against her will. I knew that she wanted to go when she, as soon as she could mm. because she also felt guilt herself being, you know, cared for by her but, grandson. By that, you, yeah. you know, she felt like she was hindering my life and oh, she never was. And no. she, she knows that. But she just wanted me to live my life and set me free. So yeah. that was her thought process. Yeah, she, she did. Yeah. She did. And... Um, uh, uh, just I guess I guess you can't really give too much advice in, because every situation is different yep. um, but what would you say for people like is there any words of encouragement um, for people that are in your situation that are facing you know having to put um, a grandparent or a loved one mm. um, in a home is there anything that any bits of adv- advice yeah. um, that you can give when you've been going through that when you were going through that process um, I just think to to not be so hard on yourself um, if it does have to happen but also don't look at it as um, a negative mm. um, we're in a, you know we're in a modern era now we're in a mm. new day and age things have evolved things have gotten better um, you do have to do your research though mm. so look around at every home that you can try and keep the if you are having to put your family member in a home try and keep the home as close as possible to the main family members that will travel to f- to visit yep. um, but yeah always yeah, just make sure you do your research on a good home um, ask around we also asked other patrons that were there yep. like their carers that would come in to visit them how to talk to them how do they feel about the facilities so look around for different facilities um, don't feel guilty or bad if it has to happen because it's, it's definitely not, not a negative. They're just getting a level of care that they need mm. and that you can't provide, unfortunately. Mm. So you would much rather them get care that they need rather than let them kind of get worse in your care. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think that's even worse, living with guilt that you could have done something better for them, but you didn't for your own selfish reasons. Yeah. Um, because of your own demons and your own, you know... Yeah, trying to attach... A- attach yourself to that to that stereo- stigma yeah exactly right yeah so um, I agree. yeah so just um just go just go with an open mind mm. um and and just make sure you just yeah do your research is like the biggest thing yeah
can't can't say that enough definitely yeah. um but no thank you so much for coming no on worries. thanks um, for having me <laughs> and uh i'll be back for another segment with my sister and talk about her experience with nursing homes as she actually works in one so thank you tom and yes catch you in the next segment bye <laughs> Leave here with more information on Patreon. Two Brownish Girls listeners now have the opportunity to support what we do through different tiers of membership for as little as $3 a month, which gains you access to some great perks, including a private group chat with Discord, bonus episodes, and live video chats. This would help us grow and bring our podcast to you on a bigger scale. Find out more and sign up today at patreon.com forward slash two brownish girls. Hi, it's Cribs here again. It is the third segment of our um, episode talking about nursing home stigmas, specifically, obviously, in the Pacifica um, community. And I'm actually here with my sister um, who does have an experience or, yeah, connection with um, in that area. So I wanted to get her on to be able to talk about her perspective and um, what she can share um, especially being obviously someone Māori like myself. So thank you for coming on. And um, if you could tell us a bit about yourself and, yeah, just um, more from the work perspective, like a career-wise in, in terms of aged care. Hi, everyone. So I've worked in aged care um, since 2012. Um, or that's when it sparked me to go into the industry. Mm. Um, we lost our grandma, um, my mom, oh, our mom's mum. I mean, our dad's, dad's mum, mom. sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that year and following her. that year. Yeah. Yeah. So following her passing, it came out that she had dementia and um I wanted to find out more Mm. I also wanted to know exactly why Mm. it was hidden from us kids um well from the younger generation Mm. as to what was um what she was diagnosed with um it really started with an injury that she had Mm. Um, she had fallen down uh, stairs, broke her arm, and from there she never really recovered a hundred percent. She didn't even recover from the injury of having a broken arm. So when she had passed away a couple of months later after that injury, she, um, I, I guess it's like finding out through the rumors like of what had happened to her because obviously like having the older generation not telling us what was wrong with her directly um whether it's because they were ashamed or because you know it's none of our business yeah um yeah I came to find out through my older cousins um and when yeah it's what sparked me to go into that field so what started it was I I actually volunteered to go into a nursing home just to like give my time um and because like everything that 
had happened um, was still new to me. So I had no knowledge of it all. Um, you know, and you can only read so much. And I thought, oh, well, I might as well go and have a look mm. at what life is like in dementia Yeah, for someone, you know, that is diagnosed with that. Mm. So... You said 2012, by the way. Yeah, you 2002. Just... Yeah, 2002. I was going to say, because 2012 was not that long ago. Yeah. And she's been in it for ages. So 2002, so what is that? That's like well, 2019 now. Uh, 17, eight, years? 17 years. Oh, my yeah, gosh. That's a life. Years. That's an actual life. So I started off volunteering first. Yeah. And then you did a course in you. Yeah. Was that to do with? That was to do with aged care. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. not... It was to do with aged care as a whole, but mm. not specifically with dementia. Yeah. Which is where I'm at right now. So when you did the intern... Or well, like, when you did the volunteering, did you... Um, try like other areas of no, like in aged care like uh, there's like different um facilities different, different levels yeah that's what that's what it is so did you um, go through all of them or how did you no so with volunteering you can only do so much because um we become a liability to the facility mm-hmm. um so obviously like for volunteering you, you can only um like sit and talk with a resident um you know, talk to them, read to them, um, play a game with them, just simple things like mm. that. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until 2006 when I actually started working in the field. Mm. Mm. Um, but again, wasn't dementia specific. It was just more so aged care yep. in general. Yeah. And that was a real eye-opener to me. Yeah. Uh, because... Um, Seeing the staff ratio to the am- amount of residents or clients that you look after, mm. um, it didn't seem right. And enough, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't enough um, in the time frame that the uh, facility mm. expects you to do it in. Mm. Amongst having to, you know, dress and um, and shower these people, medicate them... Um, feeding them, mm. um, or you know, in whichever level or like level of care that they need, yeah, it all takes time, yeah. But they expect you to do it in, say, for example, six minutes. These small little tasks that take a long time mm. to be done in that short time, mm. and you have to move on to the next person. Yeah. Wow. Um. And how did you? Um. Because obviously you were drawn to that, to the aged care industry because of um, our, your experience with mama. But how was it like actually going into demen- into the dementia level of care? Like That was a whole different um, experience in itself mm. because when you understand what dementia is, mm. um, then because... Dementia is a big, to us how we're taught, it's a big umbrella, for example. Yep. And there are, like, different types of dementia. So, you know, like, for example, someone that has Alzheimer's to someone that has, um, what's it called? Um, a different type of dementia, like vascular dementia. Again, that's two totally different 
types of dementia that people have to deal with. Like those needs are different to each person. Mm, mm. Um, So yeah, it was an eye opener for me. I was really thrown because I didn't expect to see that many people with that disease. Mm. Um, And also too, like, a few times at the beginning, like, I, I thought, okay, this is not for me. Mm. Um, just because the area I was in, like, it was really hard to see these people living that the life elderly. of... Yeah. yeah, like, living that life of forgetting, you yeah. know, like, not knowing, like, getting confused, not knowing what what day it is, or, con- like, the continuous, um, repetitive sentences they were making Mm. um yeah it it really was hard because I didn't know how to handle that and you don't you you don't get taught um Mm. like you like they tell you what dementia is but not how to deal with it as a um as a carer yes as a carer yeah I mean I I for myself um don't even know how as a loved one, like, you know, like, your loved one is, um, has dementia, mm. like, how to even deal with it. Like, mm. now working in that field, like, it's it's actually taken me that long to understand and not judge those who have loved ones in our facilities. Yeah, and how they... And why they're there. Yeah. And how they grieve and how, how it's different for them in each person that has a, their own story yeah yeah mm. um oh i had a question i forgot um oh for our listeners who don't know what dementia is can you give a brief summary um no just in your own words like what dementia is um we know it's a disease and it is something similar to alzheimer's but um can you provide like yeah, sorry, I threw this one out. I gave her a list of questions, and I'm already going off topic right now. Well, not really off topic, but just off the list. Um, but, yeah, what's the easiest way? I mean, every disease is hard to understand, but in layman's terms, what's the best explanation you can give as to what dementia is? Obviously, Google is free. Do your own research afterwards. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, the first thing that people would uh, think of is memory loss mm. um, and that's a huge part of dementia uh, but in saying that like I said there are different types yep. because it involves your brain yep. so different parts of your brain that shuts down obviously mm. that's a different different part of a dementia yep. um, and not just saying that like um, you can have different parts mm. And have different symptoms as well oh, to what okay. is listed. Um, and some people don't really know which type of dementia, dementia. it is because up until they pass away yeah. um, and you want to have your brain um, oh, like, yeah, like studied, yeah, yeah, yeah. studied on, um, they don't really know. That's crazy. But it's just based on the diagnosis from a doctor. Mm. That's it really mm. um but yeah the first thing that comes to mind is memory loss yeah That's like it's it's a huge it's a cause of your brain shutting down 
or different yes. parts for different reasons. And yes. Yeah, so it's definitely not like a quick thing to understand, but that's just definitely um, a symptom of it. And yeah. um, even me, myself, like, because my sister's been in the industry so long, like I would come I would come to her work after school and I'd be able to see a lot of, like, um, patients. What would you call them? Like... Residents. Residents. I like to call them residents. Um, they're, you know, going through different things or saying different things or just, like, their actions are all different. Um, so there's no one size fits all type thing. It's all each... Uh, person is individual. Each, yeah, each person is different. Mm. Um, so the next question I have for you is... Um, well, we kind of already touched on it, but if you could just uh, elaborate a bit more on um, the, if you have any personal experiences in aged care or caring for someone at home. Um, probably, I don't think you took care of too much of her, but if you could elaborate a bit on um, what you were talking about with Mama. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you said that, you know, you saw that, um, you found out, you know, much later that she had, been diagnosed with dementia and that it obviously all started from when she um had fallen like had taken a fall um Mm. but if you could elaborate just like a bit more about what her health was like before that and just what you had observed because I was like a I was like a child like I don't know how young I was at the time I can't remember but um my sister saw a lot more of what than I did so if you could just what you saw about care Mm. um that she had yeah so I this was back in Auckland too we have um, a big family mm. and several aunties um, who took care of her. So there were mainly two of them, mm. two of our aunties, who took turns in going to work as well as coming home and then changing, um, changing over from taking care of, uh, like, mama. So... For me, like, what I saw in the care that she had received um, at that time, like, I, I felt that now knowing what I know, the knowledge that I know now, she could have had more to life um, and could have been with us a lot longer if she had been taken to a home. Um, because they didn't have the knowledge on how to... Um, give her adequate care. Yeah, like yeah. the quality that she required. Yeah, just because they don't have the knowledge, like they didn't understand themselves what dementia is. So how can they care for someone who, and what their needs are? If mm. I mean, I know they did everything they could from their hearts yep. and what they know. Yep. But I think if they knew more of what dementia is and what her uh, needs were mm. she would have still be here mm. a lot longer than what we had expected then yeah i'm not saying she would be here now yeah but you know like yeah i and- think she would have been a lot longer because from the time the time frame that i can remember from her breaking her arm to the to when she had passed away was three months really yeah i didn't know that. i felt that she could have at least been another year for me, like, if yeah. they have, yeah, just because I, because there were a lot of things wrong. It wasn't just the broken arm. No, no yeah, so the yeah. the broken arm well, led to context. her, um, not, not being able to walk. She didn't feel 
like, because uh, she had stopped talking and making any sense. Um, it wasn't until day she, that morning that she was rushed to hospital that I fully understood where she was at in her mind. Knowing now. Knowing now. Yeah, yes. you didn't know back then. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, you were just not. thought she was just talking some nonsense. Yeah, I, I was. But mm. at the same time, I was like, why is she talking nonsense? Yeah. Because she was she was, she was screaming. In a, in, yeah, she was in her right mind. Yeah, she was screaming out, like, where's my parents? Where Where's my Where's my dad? Where's my dad? She was, like, in Samoan. Um, she was screaming that out at the top of her lungs. And I'm thinking, I can hear this. I can hear my grandma. And I'm like, why is she talking like that? Like, why... Mm. Why is she even mentioning her her father? She and, knows, yeah. And what my aunties were like, you know, trying to tell her was your your father's dead. And she goes, Oh, well go and dig him up. I wanna see him. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what? Like, who's who is this person? Like yeah. I have that has raised raised me. Yeah. Um yeah, to mm. talking like this. Mm. And and for context, she was being obviously cared for at home, in her home. Um, and they had um, modified the the room to, like I don't know, it kind of almost looked like a, yeah, hospital, hospital. like room. Yeah. Um, so you know they simulated that. Um, and was she in? I can't remember, but but she was she in, like that, setup, before she broke her arm. No. So it was. It was oh, the the setup was more so just a help with she still wanted to be independent oh yeah but couldn't do as much as she could because of you know age related issues yeah i think they purchased uh those weights um like the that the lifting thing i remember seeing that that i don't know yeah it's like when they you it's like a sling and then they lift them up using that. I oh, feel yes. like I saw that. Yeah, back when I was yeah. But that yeah. was that was later, later towards in the end. yeah towards the end. Yeah, where it should have come in earlier. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, there was a lot of things that, like she, my sister had noticed, yeah. um, back then, which with her knowledge now, n- knew that those situations like could have been avoided, mm. um, with just having the appropriate. Level equipment. of equipment and level of care, like she said that, um, and this was I'm saying we had a conversation about this a few week, few months ago. Um, she said that Mama had bed sores. I yes. remember you saying because she wasn't being turned enough, and obviously you know um, at that age if you're in if you're bedridden, like um, you're meant to be rotating every two hours, every two hours just to avoid that, and yeah. you know um, as she was coming to the end of her life, she had a lot of those unfortunately. And there was just those little things that she, that my sister said that mm. she can't think of right now um, that had happened. So um, I felt like that was a really important um, turning point for you in your life um, and to realise that, you know, it's it's a there's a, I believe that there's a big stigma, which is which I'm going to flow into the next question is um, what do you think is the view on aged care amongst um, Pacific Island families and why um, don't people put their parents or elders or loved ones I'm not going to say elders because they don't always have to be old No, it's just any person um, in age, 
in a facility. In a facility. Sorry, this is not because this is not just talking about aged care mm-hmm. now. It's just care in general, um, especially when they need it. So, first question is, what do you think is the view on age, uh, or on care? I personally think that for Pacific Islanders, mm. it is taboo for us to mm. place our loved ones into a facility because we are taught that um, we take care of our own. Yeah. And I understand it, mm. uh, and a lot of people do, um, except what they don't know is that you can get better care with people that have better knowledge of what it is that your loved one is going through. Mm. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, if you are more than happy to get that knowledge, mm. then sure. And you are more than happy to, you know, hire out the equipment that is needed. The, you know, and it's not just one equipment, you know. You're going to need beds. You're going to need, and certain beds. But you're also going to have to modify your whole house. Yeah. You, you know, a routine of... um. Their, their, their day basically yeah. depending on what level of care that they require yeah and definitely being accessible as well yes yeah because that, that is very expensive in in itself mm. um the equipment hiring and and all of that yep um but again you know it is also expensive to put like pending on where you put your your loved one it yeah. is also expensive in putting them into care mm. but Depending on their age, unfortunately, um, the government, where they're at, the, you have to be assessed Yeah. Um, by a certain team that comes out to see what level of care they require, where they are um, accepted into, like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's in your area that's available to them. Yep. And again, like, it's, it's different. Mm. Uh, there are so many different resources out there. Mm. You have to be willing you know, to gain that knowledge to know where or what it is that you want to do with them. Like, as in, like, whether you want them at home with you, whether you want them in a facility um, and what type of care that they require. Yeah. Um, it, I, you know, I myself personally would want, would want to take care of my own too. Mm. But if it is too much stress and stress can be from anything whether it's the type of disease or you know care, level of care they, they require like if it's low and you think okay I can take I can take this task on of being there for your my loved one 24 hours a day because mm. in dementia a person with dementia requires 24 hour care mm. because you don't know like their whole body clock can be the total opposite, you know, like where they'll be awake trying to get out. Um, and that's another thing that worries me with dementia is that they're always wanting to go home. Mm. And for some with dementia, it's um, they remember long term, nothing short term. Yeah. But again, different types yeah it's really sad um, when that happens there was um one of our clients in my job that i uh, in my job um the husband had passed away and so it was just the um wife that was left um and she um actually had dementia and so she was 
placed into uh, a facility and there was um, instances of like several times over the next the following few months that she was found there like at the home like it's a building a residential building but she was found out like trying to get into the block you know trying to go home so it's really upsetting um and even like a girl on twitter i saw um her dad's recently been diagnosed with dementia and she's been like documenting her journey through that because she is caring for him at home yeah and you know it's it's really tough for her that she's like and you know me seeing that i've like i i don't relate but i see how that can be impacted because of how I've like um seen the residents in my sister's work and yeah it's really hard for her and there was a point that like I, I jump on Twitter and there's a missing persons thing because he'd gone missing um and yes, I yeah unfortunately they found him and he was okay um but you know a few I think a few days later I'm on Twitter again and I can see that he's you know they placed him into care yeah. Um, and I was and really, yeah, it is sad because obviously she's gotten to a point because she, I, I feel like she didn't want to make that decision. Yeah. Um, but I'm also kind of happy that she's realized that there is facilities out there that can provide the level of care that and security needs. that yeah. he needs. Um, Definitely. because like my sister said, it's obviously also financially straining yes. for people to, you know, if you have the money, if, if you have the means mm-hmm. to modify your house, but it's not always possible. Um, and I'm sure that obviously them going into him going into a facility is of, is also costly as well. But I guess you got to think about the long term and trying to um, keep him safe, keep him safe. Definitely. And unlike my grandma had is, is trying to improve his, his quality, quality of, of life, life. Yeah. Um, especially just for his for however many years he has um, to come. Um, so I think that's really important is, you know, trying to know when it's time. Yes. Yeah. And and not to, like, I know that a lot of people feel guilty to put their loved one into a home mm. um, or into a facility, but we all grieve differently and mm. you need to know and think of what is best for them. Yeah. And not how we feel because yeah i think we need it's like we gotta put our pride aside exactly and 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 not to worry what others think because they don't know what you guys are going through like Mm. um and yeah definitely the pride definitely Mm. the pride because i think that's number one for our culture yeah um that no, 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 it's it's wrong to put them in a home because it, it makes us look like, okay, we couldn't even take care of them. But it's not that. No, it's no not way. that at all. No way. And I think obviously each, um, each situation, each scenario is subjective. Obviously, if, you know people will have an opinion if your if your grandparents or your parent or a loved one is in good health and you're like, why are you sending them there? Mm. You know, everyone has their own... Um, uh, thoughts about it but I think for us in this particular episode we're really just touching on um the stigmas around nursing homes in the context of if um if they have a disease like yeah yes. I'm not referring to if my my grandparents 85 and it's time for them to just move into a home it's oh, not no. you know because they're old it's nothing to do with that it's just about um yeah if they have a disease so um sorry is it Say. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say that um, there are different types. Like we have, like an experience I had also was, mm. I worked with a Samoan lady. Yeah. Um, 
and she, like she was mature she actually had her mother-in-law in a nursing home and upon meeting her I like this lady that I worked with um I actually had work experience at the facility that her mother-in-law was in. Oh, at yep. that time, I didn't know it was her mother-in-law that oh. I was actually looking after. Looking after. Yeah, weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then when I come to found out, like find out, because I said, look, in in all the facilities I have come across, like because now working where I am, yeah, I do have to go out to different places to assess certain people. Yeah. Um, whether they are right for coming into our care. Yeah. Um, just because. Being a dementia-specific facility where yeah. I work, um, some other facilities don't have that level of care that they require. Mm. So it's up to us to go out there and um, assess them. But, well, yeah, so I, when I was at this uh, facility, they, she was in her room and uh, she was screaming out, um, like, for, for attention at that time. Mm. Anyways, I walked into her room and... And she's talking away in Samoa, and I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyways, like, I, I looked at her chart, like, I, her name, and I'm like, you are Samoan. Like, okay, yeah, like, she didn't actually look Samoan. Yeah. But she, she definitely was. Her name and, like, the language she was speaking. Yeah. And I had a carer um, who was Filipino at the time that was on, on the ward, and she come around, and she goes, oh it's all right, like, trying to calm the lady down. And I walked in, I go, do you mind if I talk to her? Um, look, I don't have the best someone, but <laughs> I went in there asking. Yeah. And I, I asked her, like, how are you and, you know, what's wrong? And she replied that she was hungry. And I, and she goes, the, so I spoke to the Filipino um, carer, and she goes, oh. I go, yeah, she just wants something to eat. And they're like, oh, she's been screaming out all morning. And I go, did she, she have is. breakfast this morning? Yeah. And um, and she goes, yeah, she ate. And I go, okay, well, can you just get see what, what yeah. you've got mm. that you can just give her? So she came back with a sandwich and she was more than happy. That was it. Had, didn't hear a peep of her until later in the afternoon. Unfortunately, that for some people is traumatizing, mm. knowing that... Um, Yes, their loved ones in the facility, and you don't know the kind of care that they're getting. Mm. Unfortunately, you know we do not have interpreters. Yeah, it's just yeah. Um, but for us in our facility, we um, what is it? We ask the families to give us as much knowledge in that language that they that they speak. Mm. You know, just for keywords that we can look out for that they want. Yep. You know, like you know, if they're hungry, if they're they're tired, or if they're they're in pain. Mm. That's a that's a big one. Um, is pain hunger? Um, yeah. So like you know, it's not easy. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, that's definitely really hard. So um, you know, like you said, we just have to. Um, people just have to realize that. Um. It's, it's not always easy to put your loved one in, in a home, um, but that, you know, the carers are always willing to try and learn as much as possible from the loved ones and how they can best take care of them in terms of communicating with them or mm. understanding their, um, yeah, the language. Cause, the culture. Yeah. yeah, that must have been a real big shock to you, though, to see a Samoan lady in there. Yes, but I did ask 
the lady that I did worked she have with. Age, um, did she have dementia? Yes. Mm. I did ask the lady that I worked with as to why she wasn't being taken care of at home. Mm. Um, and the lady I, like that worked with me, she said, oh, because she had young children on her own, and being that it's her husband's mother, yeah. um, like they couldn't take care of their young children um, as well as take care of her with dementia. Yeah. And it, I totally understood that because I'm like, that's a big task to take on. Yeah. To have young kids have a, have a person, a loved one with dementia or just like, in almost your like home. full like care. Like, but she was bedridden, this lady. Oh. So that's even more, uh, more strain on the family. Yeah. And her husband is an only child. Oh, I was so there say, are no other siblings for him to yeah. go, hey, mum needs help. Mm. Can you help by taking care of her? Or can you come and help me out? Do you know? So he was an only child. She she had siblings, but, you know, she's got a mother of her own too. Yeah. Who who didn't live here. He, she lives in Samoa. But, mm. So that's a big task. Far out. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, was there anyone else that could have helped? No. Unfortunately. And that made me understood. Yeah. You know, from a different perspective. Circums- to, yeah. yeah, like, everyone's circumstances are different, but also, like, to understand where they were at. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and so, obviously, working in aged care for so long, so, uh, like, 17 years, I'm I'm sure that it's changed your perspective of aged care as opposed to how we feel it, it is... Perceived. On... Perceived. Obviously, not by the, like, you know... It may be by the majority, but it is perceived by some people in the Pacific Island community. Um, so can you elaborate if, I mean, I, I feel like we already know the answer, but can you elaborate yourself in your own words if your perspective has changed on care, like um, facility care? Um, yeah, if, yes. if not. Uh, what has it made you understand? It's changed a lot because I now see with eyes wide open, Mm. um, that there's so much need for these facilities. Mm. But need for everyone, you know? It's not just for the Pacific, like, the our community. Yeah. But for all. um, Unfortunately, it's not... It's not the easiest decision to make, but I feel like... From what I knew back then, mm. it was just an old people's home. Yeah. And now I feel like it's for anyone Yeah, that is diagnosed with dementia. Mm. Um, because it, it's, dementia's not... Um, it's not just like for, for old people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, could, it could... um It could affect anybody. Yeah, any age. Yes. Yes, we do have young mm-hmm. people as in our facility as young as forty that have come into our care. Wow, um, and that to us is an early onset dementia. Yeah, um, yeah. and do you feel like that's also changed your perspective on you know, nursing homes are where like people go to die. Because I think that's a tricky one, definitely. Um, it is a tricky one, but to me, unfortunately. Unless they come into care, like for which is it's called respite care, which is just like for a short time, like short term. Mm. 
majority of the time, if you come into care um, as a permanent mm. um, resident, then you just go through the stages, really, until yeah. the end. So it's, yeah, and, like, that's the reality of it. It is. Like, obviously, there are, you know, there is respite care, which is where they're there just to... Um, just to give you a break, basically. Yeah. Um, and everyone needs it. Everyone mm. needs it. It's There shouldn't... You shouldn't be... Um, you shouldn't feel ashamed mm. because it does take a toll on you, your family. Yeah. You know, your relationship. So um, many ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and look, yeah, like I said, um, obviously there's a, there's a stereotype about that, but like she said, there is a reality of it that if people do come in with dementia, it is the view that they will be there until they pass. Um, mm. But what I think is important to know, which kind of comes into my last question um is that even though it is the end it is kind of the last season of their life um that they'll be having the best like quality of life Mm. as possible I think because yeah people just think oh they're just gonna go there and rot but like what I've seen in my sister's work is that they're there, like, having Christmas parties, having, like, you know, doing activities and stuff. And yeah, it's like they have theme days. Yeah, they we do. do. <laughs> they we really do. do. I used to go to them. I really did. <laughs> yes. Um, and, yeah, so it's like, yes, it is, it is the last season, but they're having a good time yeah. whilst, whilst they're there, you yeah. know, um, making some, you know, some good memories. Um, and so the last question I have for you is... Um, what are some things that you would like to share with our listeners um, about breaking down the stereotype of um, aged care slash facility care? Um, and, yeah, like, what's just your perspective and what what are some things that you'd like to share that we haven't already? Or just kind of summing up what we've already spoken about. I think gaining knowledge yeah. um, is a huge thing. Like, looking into what it is that your loved one ha- like has mm. um and what it takes like you need to be able to understand what it takes to take care of them mm. um and not to be ashamed of reaching out and reaching into the resources that we have in Australia, we're so blessed here. Yeah. To have so crazy, so much out there for us. Mm. Um, and I know that it's a lot to take in for those that don't have the means. Mm. Um, it could be financial stress on you guys, but look at the quality that they would be able to to have in their life. If they were they were given the resources that you know that um they can better do mm. I'm not saying that you can't better take it take better care of them, but if you are willing to take on you that need. task and yeah and um yeah you need to know what you're in for yeah basically like it's n- like it's not easy no there's no sugarcoating about it yeah. like caring for a loved one in any state is it's a full time thing. Yeah. Um. And if you're committed to giving them the best quality of life you can within your financial means, then you need to just ass- like assess if it, if you can give that, and if not, 
um you know do you have see what help there is out there that you can that can also be um no like what help that is out there to better your knowledge to taking care of them at home yeah totally like we're not saying just do it like send them them to a home (laughs) that's the purpose of nah definitely not like you know like because we're both someone and we um, you know, we b- believe that as well, that we want to look after our own um, mm. and give them the quality of life because, you know, I feel like us as someone's we're so, um, we're real nurturers mm. um, of our of our own. So, um, yeah, I, I think definitely that's a, a key takeaway um, from this segment. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we sign off? No, I just... Like I said, just gain knowledge of yep. what, um, and do do your research in your in the in the facilities. Mm. Um, look, a lot of things uh come up on media. Um, unfortunately, they don't see what we have to deal with every day. Um, and you know they're both there. There are always two sides to a story. Yep. Um, also, I work alongside so many Pacific Islanders. That's cool. Which is a great thing. Um, and, again, you know, we ourselves who have worked in that field understand. Mm. Um, but it's not for everyone, too. Yep. Um, it's okay to not... Yeah. To, to um, realise that it may not be for you or your loved one. But I, I would say, um, yeah, like, if need be, give it a go. Yeah. You know, like, it may not be what you want it to be but yeah Mm. there's no harm um in giving something a go or you know like don't be afraid Mm. uh to 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 hear what other people say either like yeah because it's it yeah i think that's what a lot of us do is worry more about what others think totally gonna do yeah then then we just never get shit done anyway like and that's (laughs) that's the takeaway is Get, do your research, obviously listen to other people's thoughts, like people that have the experience, like mm. I think you can never know what it's going to be like until you're someone that's in that position. Yes. So definitely. speak to other people either in your community or in your family that may have gone through that scenario and have either chosen not to or to, mm. but just you got to list your pros and cons out. Like you got to give either option a fair go. Mm. You can't just look for all the reasons to say no. And yes. then, you know, <laughs> like it's not going to help you. It's not going to help your loved one. Mm. Um, so yeah, these are some takeaways that we thought would be um, just helpful for anyone going through this decision and this process. Um, and I hope that this um, episode has been insightful. Um, obviously you've got the first segment from me and Talitha when we talked about just our personal thoughts on it um and then you you had the perspective from my cousin Tom um who was caring for my grandma for um a big chunk of his life and then you've had the perspective from my sister um who's been in aged care uh, for 17 years so I feel like that's enough experience to give you a very like educated um and you know real 
understanding, um, especially... Then this is obviously from the perspective of being in Australia. We can't speak for what it's like in New Zealand um, and the levels of care that they provide. So thank you for listening and thank you for coming onto the show. Um, my sister, she's rolling her eyes at me, but she's saying thanks in her head, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Brownish Girls. Feel free to share your takeaways from this episode by liking our Instagram page at Two Brownish Girls where you can interact with us and impact more after each episode. Until next time. Bye. Bye.